Hello, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation is three years old, and we have some exciting updates associated with today's episode. We have amazing new detailed show notes for each and every episode. And we've even gone back into the archives of every prior episode. I mean, we're talking over 100 shows and updated those show notes too. So they are more readily searchable and give you the highlights and details in case you're listening in the car and unable to take notes. And now let's kick off today's episode. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now... Here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacles stand in our way in pursuit of the three Ps, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. Today is episode 120, an episode ending in zero, which means it is time for Q&A. So I have um, put together some of our most commonly asked questions, and let's dive into that. The first question is, what does real revenue mean? So remember, profit first is based off of your real revenue number. So for some businesses, their total revenue is the same as real revenue. But if you're a business that has cost of goods and has uh, contractors' expenses, subcontractor expenses, then you are going to deduct the total cost of goods and the total subcontractor expenses out of that total revenue number. And then what's left after you deduct those cost of goods and subcontractor expenses is your real revenue number. And your real revenue number is the figure that you base your instant assessment off of. So your instant assessment is when you take that real revenue number for your most recent full year of operations and um, and then you 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 go through it and you say, okay, well, here's the real revenue number. Here's what my income statement or profit and loss statement looked like for that year. And and here are the expenses. And here is where the money went. And so, what percentage went to profit distributions? What percentage was allocated, or or what did you take as owners pay? What percentage was tax? And then what percentage was operating expenses? And that instant assessment tells you what your business is currently at in terms of your current, technically, allocation percentages. And then from there, to then implement Profit First, you're going to look at what are your target allocation percentages based off of your real revenue number. And so there's a 
There's a table in the book, and we will include the table as a refresher in your uh, visual recap for this episode. But the table will have columns that will be based off of real revenue ranges and then what the target allocation percentages are for those real revenue ranges. So those target allocation percentages are what you're going to work to. And now remember, it takes six, seven, eight quarters on average to move from your current allocation percentages, so kind of where you are now, to your target allocation percentages. And what we ask of you when you decide to draw a line in the sand and get on the path to permanent profitability and do profit first right is number one, open up those five bank accounts where you've got your income account, your profit account, owner's pay, tax, and operating expense accounts. You have five total accounts. That's your first step in implementing profit first. And then your second step is going to be to start to allocate 1% of your income into your profit account um, because you can operate your business on 99% of what you've been operating on. And we're going to start to build that profit muscle by allocating 1% to profit. And then um, later on in the steps, you're going to open up your hold accounts, your profit hold account, and your tax hold account at your inconvenient bank. And um, after you've completed your instant assessment, you're going to create your rollout plan. Um, So, you know, each quarter, you're going to adjust your allocation percentages up or down by uh, one, two, three, maybe 4% as you work quarter over quarter towards getting to your target allocation. And so again, we will put in a little table for you to get you started. and, And that's all you have to do to kind of fill out and create a plan for those target allocation percentages. Profit first is not a set it and forget it system. And, you know, if you are, you know, crazy like me and all in on profit first, just remember uh, that you can't hit those target allocations out of the gate. You need to do that instant assessment. However, if you are a brand new business, so like the best time to implement profit first is now. um, And the second best time to implement profit first is when you're a brand new business. Um, really kind of before you open the doors, because it gives you an opportunity to really understand out of the gate how much you should be spending on operating expenses. What is the percent of your revenue that needs to go towards operating expenses and making sure that you're starting the business kind of within those parameters? Because it's much easier to know where you need to start than try to get there over time. So that uh, is a a long answer to to what real revenue is and how that works in the business. All right. So another question that's related to real revenue is um, if you are a business that has cost of goods, so materials and or use subcontractors and such, then um, what we recommend is actually that you have a sixth account. You know, our adage is when in doubt, add an account. Uh, the larger your business the more complex your business is, the more accounts you're going to have. So just those five accounts of income, profit, owner's pay, tax, and operating expenses, that's basic profit first. You know, once you're into the, like the $300,000, $500,000 real revenue range, you're going to want to have additional accounts. And if you have materials, cost of goods, subcontractors, et cetera, we recommend actually having 
an accounts receivable account. And so all the money that gets paid to you goes into that accounts receivable account. And then from there, what you'll do is you'll sweep whatever your percentage is that goes to materials and um, to cost of goods. You'll sweep it to that account. And then whatever goes towards subcontractors, you will sweep towards that account. And then if you collect sales tax, we recommend having a separate sales tax account. And so the sales tax account, you'll you'll take the monies that was collected from uh, that AR and, and sweep that into that sales t- tax account. Because those three categories, that money's not yours. That money's owed to vendors, that money's owed to subcontractors, and that money is owed towards your state government to pay the sales tax. And so then what's left is your income, and then you sweep that money into your income account. And then on your designated allocation day, you are going to allocate from that income account to profit, owner's pay, tax, and operating expenses. Another common question that we get is, um, you know, I have employees, I have payroll, um, I pay myself as part of payroll. Do I still have to use the owner's pay account if I receive a, a paycheck with payroll? And the answer is yes, absolutely. You still need to go through the practice of allocating to owner's pay. But then what you do is after you allocate to owner's pay, you're going to do a secondary sweep from owner's pay to payroll so that uh, when you get paid by the payroll company, the payroll company is just going to pull those funds out of one account. Um, And so you'll want to pull that out of, we recommend if you're running payroll to have a separate payroll account, or you can, you know, have everything lumped together in operating expenses is where is where payroll would be unless you have a separate payroll account. All right. So, you know, there's also a lot of questions about, you know, do I really need to only do my allocations on the 10th and the 25th? So the book recommends the 10th and 25th because, um, you know, those are typically bills are due at the middle of the month and at the end or the first of the month. And so the 10th and the 25th gives you, you know, a a cushion of a few days that, uh, you know, if you need to cut a check, it's going to get there by the 15th. And if you or if you need to cut a check, um, you cut a check on the 25th on that allocation day, it's going to get to the person by the last day of the month or the first of the month. So that is the reason for the 10th and 25th. Doing the 10th and 25th means that you are doing two allocations per month, which means you're doing 24 allocations per year. In our businesses and, you know, pretty common in businesses that have payroll is um, doing your allocation schedule to follow your payroll schedule. Most businesses pay on a biweekly basis or if you're in Australia, fortnight, which I love saying which is every other week. So like our business, we pay every other Friday. And so on the Wednesday prior to a Friday pay date every other week, that's the day for our designated allocations. So technically we're doing 26 allocations per year instead of 24. We don't recommend anything more than weekly allocations. So ideally you wanna be you know, twice a month, the 10th and 25th, you want to be bi-weekly following your payroll schedule. And again, you know, you just don't want to have to do things more frequently than that. But if you absolutely must, then no more frequently than weekly. 
if you are paid on an irregular basis. So I always like to use the example of of realtors. Um, Realtors earn their commissions based off of the closing of a sale. The average realtor has nine closings per year. It would be absolutely crazy to be doing allocations on the 10th and 25th when you only are having closings nine times a year. So we recommend, you know, if you're a business that gets paid on an infrequent basis, large contracts, large commissions, et cetera, that, that you just do your allocations based off of um, when you receive that income. So that is the recommendation there. So when it comes to owner's pay, we talked a little bit about the fact that if you pay yourself via payroll, uh, you still allocate to owner's pay and then you can do a secondary sweep to your payroll account. So, you know, it comes out uh, when your payroll company pulls those funds. But if you take your owner's pay in distributions, then do you still need a profit and a separate owner's pay account since all the money flows to you? And so the answer is yes, you still need both an owner's pay and a profit account. The owner's pay is distributed to you on your designated allocation days. You treat it like a salary, even though it's considered a distribution, and it should be a consistent amount that's you know withdrawn um, and paid to you every allocation day. And then on a quarterly basis, the profit is distributed to you, which acts like a bonus because that's what it is. So if you are an LLC and you're taking um, your owner's pay and distributions, you still should have the owner's pay account and the profit account because the purpose of those of those accounts are two separate things. Owner's pay is, you know, just what you live off of, the roof over your head, et cetera. And the quarterly profit distribution is that bonus, that reward for owning a business. Another great question that we get, and maybe if you haven't thought about it, then you definitely need to do this as well. But um, a question is, can I use Profit First to identify a good business to buy? And the answer is, oh my gosh, absolutely yes, yes, yes. You should absolutely do an instant assessment on the business so you can see where things need to be corrected in terms of the numbers. So let's say you look at their financials and 95% is going to operating expenses in terms of their real revenue and uh, 5% is going to owner's pay, then that is meaning that you're going to have to make some big corrections there because you're not even buying yourself a job in this business. Um, You're just buying yourself an inefficient business that's spending 95% of its revenue on operating expenses, which means it has a long way to go to make the necessary adjustments to bring that uh, operating expense number down so that you can redistribute that percentage that's been going to operating percentages into profit, owner's pay, and tax. So remember, owner's pay, profit, and tax are three servings for you. And this makes being a business owner worthwhile. This is what brings value to your business. So, you know, a business that is running, you know, after an instant assessment, 95% in operating expenses, that is not a good business to buy. It's not valuable. It sounds like a lot of work. But if the business is pretty close to the target allocation percentages 
uh, from that chart, which again will be in your visual recap as a reference, then that is a better buy. So less correction, the closer you are to those target allocation percentages, the better the business is to buy and the value of that. Um, and, you know, I'm just going to, uh, I, I should I should add a, a soapbox here. Um, so imagine me standing on my soapbox right now. You know, I can't tell you how many times I have talked to entrepreneurs who, um, you know, naively have bought businesses and um, really have bought just nightmares, headaches, and um, trouble is is probably the best way to put it. Um, and, you know, I, I, you want to believe people, you want to believe um, the owner that is selling the business. And, um, and, and you know, it, it seems like, oh, wow, you know, I won't have to start this from scratch. Like, that's, that's valuable. There's something good to that. But, you know, really, what is the motivation for the owner? Are they needing to get out because they've buried themselves in a hole and are trying to hoodwink someone else into um, taking something that just is not salvageable uh, realistically? So, you know, I've seen things grossly overvalued and, um, oh my gosh, when you overpay for a crappy business, I mean... Uh, you you start to lose money at an even faster rate. And, and oftentimes there's no way to recover from that. So you definitely want to do an instant assessment. And you also absolutely need to review their, um, their taxes because, you know, financials can be manipulated, but, um, you know, the, the chances of them um, filing false tax returns would hopefully be slim to none. So the real truth in the numbers is in their tax returns and not necessarily in their um, company-generated financials. All right? So here is another great question, and this is the last question that we're going to end this episode on. So when a large business represents many services, many lines of businesses, what is the best strategy in terms of understanding the health of the business as a whole? So if the company has sizable income being generated by distinct products, distinct services, each one of those products or services can be treated as their own business. So run a profit assessment on each distinct product and service, and it will reveal what is fiscally healthy and what is not. Doing a profit assessment on the company as a whole may actually cloud where the problematic areas are. And so um, I've actually do this when I, you know, work with people on doing the reverse engineering project. And um, I mean, we can knock it out in typically 45 minutes and it gives you some great clarity and actually uh, went through this with, um, with, with someone last week. And what was interesting is wanting to diversify the business a little bit and grow some of her additional lines of service that right now represented very like less than 5% of, of her total business. And then when we broke down those other lines of business, you know, she was kind of arbitrarily saying going into it, you know, I would like this service, I'd like service D as in dog to be 10% of the business. And I would like service E as an elephant to maybe be like 3% of the business. And the interesting thing was, is when we looked at each of those 
those lines as kind of like a separate business if the business was just running it on its own. It was like, oh, ho, ho, actually, we need service D to not be 10%. Um, we need that one maybe to be like 3%. And oh my goodness, wow, the real opportunity in terms of margin, profitability, less labor intensive. So in a tough labor market, to be able to make money without having to hire additional staff, it became that actually the service E was the one that really kind of needed to be more in the 10, 12, 13% range as terms of the opportunity to to grow the business and have that be the percentage of, of the overall business. So it's really interesting to, you know, look at those different lines of business um, on a like line by line basis, literally, and understand what percentage of your total revenue that business brings and what percentage of profit that line of business is contributing to your total profitability. Um, and then that really kind of gives you direction and an opportunity too to say, hey, you know, uh, why, why are we doing this? You know, we had the Profit First journey with Joe Wellborn a few episodes back. And that was a perfect example of where he realized, oh my goodness, like we need to cut all of these lines that we're either losing money on or we're barely scraping by. And, you know, when he did that, what happened? Oh my gosh, the business exploded and they were able to focus on the true profitability. So absolutely, it is so important if you have multiple services, multiple lines of business that you have to go through and look at the profitability, look at, you know, how much business is happening across those different lines of business and then, you know, kind of set a plan there. You know, do you have a a D that you need to actually eliminate or or reduce in terms of the focus and how much, you know, that represents of your total revenue in favor of focusing more on the more profitable, like E line of service or line of business within your organization. So thank you so much. You know, we love getting your questions. You can uh, go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact to uh, submit a question to us. And we are happy to answer that. Bonus, uh, when we get those questions, uh, we tend to answer them uh, right away so you don't have to wait for an episode to come out. So please uh, bring those questions to us. We are here to serve you. And if you would uh, like to have your own Profit First professional on demand, then you can uh, connect with a certified Profit First professional accountant, bookkeeper, or coach who has the heart of a teacher and really will help you understand the financials, the numbers of your business, and how to get clear on your profitability, then again, go to ProfitFirstNation.com and click on contact. And finally, as always, with every episode, we have a visual recap. And as I mentioned, we will have uh, the table that you can use to fill out your um, rollout plan to move to your target allocation percentages. And we will also have the table that has the target allocation percentages by real revenue ranges. Thank you so much and cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friend. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. 
visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.